0: Chapter Unforeseen There were procedures established since September 11, not known to the public, allowing for the rapid assimilation and distribution of suspect and highly probable information related to the safety of governments, both nationally and globally. Channels were created to be used by specific government agencies, eliminating red tape, unnecessary delay in intergovernmental agency politics. It was only to be used in extreme emergencies and punishable if abused. It was this avenue Keiko used with much trepidation. Thus far, she had a spotless career and didn't need a blot on it if this was considered bad information, but she had no choice. The technology behind the newly discovered protein wasn't a terrorist plot or a direct threat, but the words of the late Daryl Fletcher, suggesting some alternate aggressive agenda, was something that couldn't be overlooked. If there was but a slight chance of it being true, she had an obligation to cut through the red tape and notify the right people. This meant going over Martin and his supervisor's heads and getting in contact with the United States Intelligence Committee IC, led by the DNI, which reports directly to the president. This also meant Martin and all the layers above him would be notified of the contact. The details of the contact would be released later, after a quick and thorough investigation. Keiko didn't leave anything out. Over a secure connection through her computer, accessing the bureau's server. She sent all of Daryl Fletcher's information with a short, concise memo of her thoughts on the matter. Minutes passed as she sat there contemplating her actions. Throughout her career, she always trusted her instincts, and in this matter, everything within her screamed it was the proper course of action. A few more moments passed before she stood up and walked over to the window. I really have to stop doing this. She mumbled as she looked outside, allowing the emotions from her old nightmare to seep in. When her cell phone rang, she quickly grabbed it and shook her head when she realized who was calling. ''This is Agent Carter,'' she said dispassionately. ''Carter? What the hell are you doing?'' demanded Martin, his voice booming through the speaker, agitated. ''Hi, Martin. May I ask what you're referring to? What I'm, I'm talking about you contacting IC?'' What does your investigation have to do with utilizing them? Do you know what position you put me in? I understand fully well. She responded coolly. I didn't put you at risk at all. This all falls on me. What? What falls on you, Carter? What warped sense of responsibility you felt you had to contact IC for? You know, I really don't have to say anything at all. In time, you will be notified. You know the drill. Don't you tell me what I do and do not know? What does your investigation have to do with IC? Nothing, she said slowly. Wait? What? Then why? I'm sorry, Martin, I can't say. You'll know in due time, well, unless the information is considered classified, of course. You just have to wait. There was silence on the phone for far too long for Keiko to wait for her supervisor to respond. Martin, I really have to go. Is there anything else? No, but I will be talking to you later, he said before hanging up. Keiko pocketed the phone and decided to go to the hotel's restaurant to get a change of scenery before her inevitable phone call with IC. Martin slammed the phone down, causing some damage to the desk he didn't care to think about presently. Keiko had always been a self-sufficient overachiever, but this went far beyond her comfort zone. Something of great importance outside of her current investigation caught her attention enough to utilize a very serious and rarely used hotline. Since she rarely made mistakes at this level, it had to be something very serious. He didn't like not knowing but soon dismissed it, since it obviously had nothing to do with him and his clandestine actions. There was no way anything Keiko submitted to IC could expose him. She was too far removed from everything he'd been involved with. Martin calmed himself. Everything was under control and for a change very quiet. If his luck continued, maybe Keiko committed occupational suicide and he'd be rid of her once and for all. If only, he mumbled, smiling. The dark, she-all official sat quietly in a 7x7-meter closed office within his apartment at Burj Al Arab. On a black lacquer desk, made of thick-tempered glass, stood five large computer screens. The first screen containing a global view of North and South America. The second, Europe, asia and the middle east the third africa the fourth australia and the last antarctica scattered throughout the global views of each continent were small red dots located around areas of dense population there were thousands of red dots scattered throughout the globe representing the current locations of all sheol agents who would soon release the first wave of infection barring antarctica for obvious reasons on each monitor, there were pull-down boxes showing statistics pertaining to current city populace, flights entering and leaving major airports, temperature, shifting wind conditions, and countless more. The dark, she-all official could easily include and exclude other displayed information by simply clicking one of the sub-menus. He sat in a black leather chair with wheels to shift easily from one screen to the next, gliding from one screen to the other. His fingers flew over each keyboard accessing information and inputting information to be sent directly to the Shi'ol agents under his control. His primary jurisdiction was the European-Asian Middle Eastern regions, while the other four officials at his level were over the other continents. Of course, the official over Antarctica really didn't have much to worry about during phase one, however. His role would be extremely important later, once the fake vaccine took full effect. It was projected with high probability that once the plague manifested globally, those not yet infected would try to escape the major continents and flee to places with very low human contact. Several spots around the globe were already figured to be those zones, with certain spots in Antarctica as the major endpoints for such an exodus. Many of the agents were already in place, while some were just hours behind schedule. Overall, everything was going according to plan. The dark, she official reclined in the chair placing his hands behind his head he felt fantastic ever since he inoculated himself he felt like a new man empowered his mind was quicker and clearer than ever and he felt completely energized after 48 hours it'll all begin he thought tomorrow all agents will be in place inoculate themselves and begin preparing themselves for the great purge the only thing left for the dark she all official to do was to oversee phase one He glanced at all the monitors quickly before getting up. The screen displaying Antarctica flickered for a second, then regained its resolution. He looked at the screen for a few seconds to make sure there wasn't a problem. Satisfied, he rose from the chair, left the room, and made his way to the kitchen to get a quick bite. While he was in the kitchen, the same monitor flickered on and off for close to 10 seconds before returning to normal. When he returned, he went right back to work viewing each screen while focusing on Asia. After a few hours, he suddenly noticed a red icon blinking on the screen from North and South America. Sliding over, he looked at the icon, clicked it, and read the contents. The United States just raised the National Terrorism Advisory System to threat level imminent, indicating a credible, specific, and impending terrorist threat against the United States. The dark, she, all officials' fingers flew over the keyboard. Not satisfied, He picked up the phone and called the Shi'ol official overseeing the continent. What caused the elevation? He asked immediately when his call was answered. I'm looking into it. His counterpart's voice responded quickly. Might be one of those terrorist cells doing something stupid the wrong time. I'll call you back. I'm busy. Sure, said the dark Xi'ol official, putting his phone back on the table. Within a few minutes, Europe issued a heightened level of imminent terrorist activity. He shook his head. Both the US and Europe were always looking out for each other. But when warnings started popping up in South America and Australia, he knew something was wrong. The US and Europe were always linked in their terrorist warnings, but these other warnings started to bother him. When Asia and parts of Africa joined the madness, he clasped his hands together and shot out of his chair. A global imminent terrorist alert wasn't normally seen this quickly, There'd never been a single terrorist group that could launch a global attack at once. It could only mean their plan was inexplicably unraveling. Dan it, damn it, he shouted. This can't be happening. He focused back on his screen of Asia and looked at the nations issuing imminent alerts. One of them was China. No terrorist group kept this country high on their hit list. Shaking his head, he dug deeper and found no information on the condition of the alert only that all nations on the planet were acting as one, taking precautions and heightening their forces for a highly probable attack. Someone leaked it. He shot it, throwing his hands in the air. That's the only way. His phone rang several times before he picked it up, knowing who it was. Phase two with the encapsulated Genoverian will fail if we continue with phase one and are discovered, said voice one. They can't possibly know. How could they known? Asked the dark, she-all official voice 3 responded From what i gather it originated in the us a direct line of information was sent to the dni anything else is speculation we have no direct access into that system the other four officials were also on the line and shouted their displeasure at the unforeseen event shut up all of you voice 2 interrupted them there's no direct connection to us at this moment however the success of this plan called for secrecy and surprise neither belongs to us anymore if we proceed, we expose ourselves. No. The dark, she all official interrupted. You can't. Don't do it. I beg you. Don't do it. It might still work. He pleaded. Oh, it will work, but not today, said Voice 3. There is much to consider here along with the hacking of our server. What, the Americans? asked the dark, she all official. We don't know yet. However, several hours ago, the system was hacked and large amounts of information downloaded including the current names and information of all of our current shi agents. We became aware of this when the United States first issued their heightened warning. We performed a diagnosis of the system as a precaution, but after thorough analysis, it looked as though it may have come from an independent source, a source not associated with any government. The Core Did they break the Core's firewall? One shi official asked. No, the Core is completely impervious to hacking. Voice 3 concluded, Voice 1 jumped in, we have to pull back. We have a global alert and too much of our information in someone's hands. We need to find out who they are and quickly neutralize them before we can resume at some future time. The dark, she-all official flopped in his chair, dejected. Before ending the call, all three voices, at the same time, said to all their officials, issue the abort now. The dark Shi'ol officials stared at his screen of Asia. For what seemed like an eternity, it took a monumental effort for him to put his fingers on the keyboard and issue the commands for all units in his jurisdictions to abort the plan. All units would disappear quietly into the populace for two weeks before slowly making plans to leave their areas. However, at this time, all the micro canisters, That were given to them were receiving a signal to self-terminate. The proteins within every micro canister were forcibly denatured, rendering them inert and indistinguishable from a flash drive, to be discarded safely at an opportune time. All the delivery devices also destroyed all the viable Genoverians within. The dark, she-all officials stared at his screen and swore that whenever the person or group was discovered that destroyed his plans for a new utopia, he would personally kill them. With his own hands, he would mount their heads on his wall for all to see, warning everyone that no one can stand against the Sheol. With fantastic strength and speed, he leaped from the chair and one by one, grabbed each monitor and threw it against the nearest wall. Each monitor exploded into pieces, but that didn't quench his anger. He then lifted his chair and smashed it through his black tempered glass desk. Small shards of glass flew in every direction, littering the room. However, his anger would never be quenched, until he felt his hands around the soft, puffy necks of the people responsible for this setback. He had his enhanced health and extended life, but what good was that? If he had to live in a repugnant world full of hollow shells calling themselves humanity, how many more years before they could try again? His mouth released a primal scream as he fell to his knees. With broken glass cutting into his flesh, he began to sob uncontrollably for his currently dead dream. chapter what lies within keiko walked into the hospital room trying not to wake brooke who had been allowed to regain consciousness the day before she tiptoed into the room and sat on the chair next to her friend looking at her carefully she realized it was time to truly have a close enough friend to share her innermost thoughts with a best friend she was too close to the fact that she was alone weeks ago and she didn't want to go back to being that person again how long are you going to sit there looking at me ''Do I really look that bad?'' said Brooke as she opened her eyes and looked at Keiko. ''You couldn't look any better,'' said Keiko, smiling. Brooke looked at Keiko. ''Yes, I have.'' Keiko laughed and hunt her friend. ''It's good to have you back.'' When she pulled away, Brooke continued to look at Keiko inquisitively, confused by the sudden change in character. ''Why the sudden affection, Kay? I wasn't that close to death,'' was I. ''I'm just happy to have you back.'' You know, you never know what you have until you either lose it or come close to it. I really took our friendship for granted. Not anymore. Rook gave Keiko her patented smile. Glad to see you take your shell off for a change, Kate. So what did I miss? Did they get the jerk that rammed me with his truck? Keiko shook her head. Sorry, it was an accident, since your car was down to be faulty. But as for what happened since you were out, it's way too much to throw at you at one time let's just say I no longer work for Martin. Did they fire his sorry butt? Keiko laughed. No. He's still in charge of the same group. I got transferred. Brooke slowly moved to a reclined sitting position in her bed. Are you okay? What happened? Smiling, Keiko said, all couldn't be better. I now have an assistant director position in the FBI, working directly for the DNI. Bigger office than Martin and a staff of 10 reporting directly to me. Shut up. How did you get something like that, I've been unconscious far too long? Kay Cook took the time to tell Brooke how Fletcher's information she sent her had information linking Jensum to the arson at Iron Mountain. She then explained how Jensum had discovered classified, groundbreaking science, which she would fully disclose later, that led to a possible global biological threat. Wow, that's awesome. I'm glad it turned out alright. When can you tell me more? Probably some place more secure, right?" She said, slowly looking around jokingly. What do you see that's the problem? Even though it was your work that helped me get the information, it's classified. I really can't tell you yet. Oh, okay, said Brooke. Keiko looked around slowly and leaned closer to her friend. But I'll tell you everything if you accept the supervisory position I held for you in my department. Brooke stared at Keiko without blinking. Hell, yeah, she said way too loud. Can I tell Martin to shove it before I go?" She continued. They both laughed for a while before Keiko got serious. We have a big task before us. There's a group out there operating unlike a typical terrorist group. They're well-organized, smart, and so far, invisible. We're going to be working with the rest of the IC and other government agencies to identify and eradicate them. But more of that later. I need you to get better first. I'll be out of this bed before you know it," Brooke said, trying to move up to prove her point, the falling back on the bed when the pain washed over her body. Well, maybe in a couple of days. Brooke closed her eyes and started to fall back asleep when a single thought brought her back. Hey, Kay, she said sluggishly, whatever happened to your case with that cult massacre? And that prophet guy anyway? Keiko knew Brooke really wanted to ask about the symbiote spiritual stuff she had already started to forget. What happened to her then was a distant memory she didn't want to remember. So many unanswered questions about what happened to her that she couldn't prove with any substantial evidence. Keiko pushed her apprehension back as she answered Brooke's question. Open and shut case, the man Prophet Barabbas is in critical condition and isn't expected to live too much longer. He got what he deserved. Brooke closed her eyes again. She was more tired than she realized. The next words that came out of her mouth were too slow to be considered a thought from her conscious mind, but rather something still lingering in her subconscious. You mentioned symbiote over there. What? Is? It? Keiko watched her friend slip back to sleep. Minutes passed before she mumbled her answer, with goosebumps all over. I really don't want to know, she mumbled. Pastor James sat next to the bed of his friend, Bart. The doctors said he only had moments to live and that James could stay with him until he passed. Hoping his friend could still hear his voice, the pastor prayed for his friend and asked for God's forgiveness for the lives he led to their deaths. He also prayed that Bart would ask God to heal his heart and for the guilt he felt once he learned he was deceived. Pastor James wanted his friend to embrace God for who he is and not the seducing voices he had listened to before. Bart lay on the bed with various IV tubes and electrodes attached to his body to monitor his condition. He was, as the doctors said, in a deep coma and deteriorating rapidly. However, inexplicably, Bart heard every word from Pastor James. He was saddened to hear his friend was still spending time praying and hoping for him. He knew he didn't deserve God's forgiveness once he learned the visions he had weren't accurate and led to the deaths of so many. That he could never let go. He knew and wanted whatever punishment waited for him. Bart said a distant, chilling voice in Bart's mind. Bart, it's time to go. Time to go, it echoed. Much closer. Bart felt a deepening chill, looked down, and saw in his body along with a crying Pastor James. The EKG flatlined and emitted a loud shrill. He was dead. He felt a burning sensation on his shoulder and turned around. What he saw horrified him. It was a semi-translucent, sickly gray demon completely covered with boils, oozing thick green fluid. Its face was also covered with the same boils, but its eyes were pitch black. Bart wondered what the beast was. Never did he imagine punishment such as this. Reading his thoughts, the demon grabbed Bart's other shoulder with its free hand, and with both, shook him violently. On that symbiote you invited into your spirit, Prophet Barabbas. It screamed at Bart's face, as it carried him away, tormenting and abusing him as it dragged him to hell. Footnotes Chapter Arsonist Genovirion is a fictional virus particle able to infect mammalian cells. The name was derived from two words, virion and gene. Virion signifies that it has a spheroidal shape, while the gene portion of the word indicates the virion attacks a specific site on the DNA molecule. Chapter, the cover-up. Sheol, the Old Testament Hebrew Bible's underworld, a place of darkness to which all the dead go, a place of stillness and darkness cut off from God. The name was chosen for the global terrorist group because it represents a group of individuals dead to the world and separated from God, residing in a state of spiritual darkness chapter revelations is calm a technology discovered in the 1980s that enabled the introduction of a specific protein antigen to induce a strong immune response being an important tool in vaccine treatment chapter what lies within first timothy chapter 4 verse 1 from the amplified bible but the holy spirit distinctly and expressly declares that in latter times some will turn away from the faith giving attention to deluding and seducing spirits and doctrines that demons teach. The story continues in Book 3, She-All, The Truth Exposed,